Hello, and welcome to Bridgeford Trust Company's Delivering Direction and Control podcast series. Our podcast series is designed to educate, challenge, and inspire listeners while keeping you updated on developments regarding modern trust law and powerful planning opportunities available, all in an effort to deliver direction and control to clients and their advisors. Hello, this is David Warren, uh, Chairman of Bridgeford Trust Company and co-founder with uh, yet another installment of our podcast series. Um, Very excited to interview some tremendous uh, experts in our field generally uh, as part of what we've been doing with our podcast for the last two, two and a half years now, um, which has become pretty well listened to. And uh, we're pretty proud of of the following and appreciate all the listeners that that listen and give comments. Um, As I said, we've, we've been really humbled to attract and interview and talk to some really fascinating people not only just in the trust industry, but across the family office world. And today is certainly no exception. Um, I've had the opportunity uh, to meet uh, Jack, Doug, and and Betty uh, as they were launching uh, what has become very, very quickly a a very successful uh, family office called Callan Family Office. And uh, they will talk a little bit about the history and what motivated them. Um, But what has impressed me so much uh, is really their their paradigm. You know, people uh, and groups have called themselves family offices now for a long time, but but it's interesting because it seems the concept of a family office is is defined differently by every family office that you talk to or multi-family office that you talk to. And I really like uh, the definition that Callan Family Office has brought to the market. Uh, they bring you know over 20 years of, of collective um, and tremendous uh, professional experience coming from uh, one of the, um, at least the Northeast's largest uh, family office group connected to Wells Fargo, which they'll talk about. Um, So today, uh, I mentioned we have three leaders of Callan Family Office, and I'm going to begin with Jack, who's the uh, chief executive officer and partner. Um, He's been working with Ultra High Net Worth folks really his entire career uh, and has a a real knack for uh, business development and building relationships and building teams. Um, as I've gotten to know Jack over the last uh, year or so, I'm impressed with uh, just the way he approaches the business and, and approaches relationship building. Um, he was president of Abbott Downing, the group I mentioned earlier, which was the ultra high net worth group at Wells Fargo for many years uh, and uh, really oversaw uh, at that point $50 billion in assets. Uh, he's based in the Northeast um, and really in the, in the Philadelphia area, went to St. Joseph's and um which I almost went to, Jack, so we almost could have gone to school together. But, you know, it's a pleasure to have gotten to know you. And, uh, Jack, welcome. And I'll let you, let you say hello to our listeners. Thank you, David. It's really it's an honor to be here with you with my colleagues, Doug and Betty, today. And, um, you know, we really enjoyed getting to know you and Bridgeford and, you know, the solutions that you can provide to ultra high net worth families. So really excited to have this conversation today. Thanks, Jack. Yeah, I think what's so amazing about our conversation, and I certainly feel the same way about you, you all and your company, is just how well aligned we are and how we look at the market and how we, you know, strive to avoid conflicts of interest. And, and you know, it's it's not just a punchline where the client comes first. It's actually true for both of our organizations. And, and we were both at organizations over the years where maybe that wasn't always the case. So I love the, the paradigm because it's just so consistent and, and extremely well aligned with what we're doing at Bridgeford. Um, I'm going to introduce Doug next, Doug, Doug Getty. He's a CFA. Investment management is his forte. Um, getting that CFA, Doug, I know is not easy, and nor is the uh, CFP that you have. 
Um, and uh, I know you too have over 25 years of experience working in the ultra high net worth space and the public and private markets. Uh, and um, prior to Callan Family Office, you also were at Abbott Downing as a regional chief investment officer, um, overseeing I know some of the largest families in the Northeast and really around the country. Um, your experience and your expertise uh, in the investment space is impressive, and I've heard you speak before, and I appreciate you being here and looking forward to what you're going to share about what is special about your approach at the Callan Family Office. So, Doug, thanks for, uh, thanks for joining us today. David, David, thank you for having us today. Really looking forward to it. And last but certainly not least is Betty, uh, Betty Petten. Uh, Betty is a, a very unique and highly talented um, a professional. Um, we've gotten to know Betty over the year, year and a half as they've launched uh, their company. And what I love about what Betty does and, and by extension what she does for Cowan Family Office and their clients is she just brings a, a, a really unique dynamic uh, in the philanthropic space. You know, I joked earlier about, well, what is a family office? And, and I think, in my opinion, a family office or multifamily office should have this capability, and most don't. But Betty does, and, and Callan Family Office does. And, and I am uh, just thrilled to see that you're bringing this kind of conversation to the table um, and how you're helping people develop a philanthropic vision. Um, and which you've been doing for over 34 years. And, um, you know, it fits so well, I think, with your overall paradigm. I mean, I, I think, you know, and Betty will talk more about it, but the idea of, of building a philanthropic vision is really all about, I think, identifying family values and goals and, and ways to inculcate that into the investment plan and, and, and really the past values on, uh, in addition to helping the world. Um, before coming and being part of uh, Callan Family Office, Betty, it's been 16 years with the Vanguard Group overseeing ultra high net worth management, um, wealth management, and the client service experience there. Also a graduate of St. Joe's University and holds an MBA degree. Um, and uh, I see went to Millersville University, which is it was in my backyard when I lived in Lancaster. I just realized that, Betty. So I am thrilled to have you with us as well. The three of you are tremendous, as I said a few times now. So, Betty, I'll let you say hello, and then we're, we'll get into some really great conversation. Thanks so much, David. It's really exciting to be here. So, you know, Jack, I, I lo love to kind of jump jump to you. Uh, you know, you you have um, you have so much experience in the market, uh, and I, I'm I'm intrigued by by the vision. Can, can you can you get into please start off the the vision of why Callan Family Office and what was what was going through your mind when you said, "Hey, I'm I'm going to do something special here." Thanks, David. Really appreciate it. And, um, you know, happy to talk about that. I, I think foundationally, you know, certainly for me, but importantly for the senior members of our team and our partners, it was really an incredible opportunity for us to build a firm from scratch. And so you alluded to it in your opening remarks. So thank you for that. You know, what we bring to the table here at Callan Family Office is 20 to 30 years of industry experience. And we've had an opportunity to listen to clients and to listen to prospective clients, you know, what they were looking for in a firm. And what Callan Family Office has provided us is an opportunity to build it, we believe, in the right way from scratch um, through our entire service offering, which we'll talk a little bit about today with Doug on the investments and Betty on the philanthropic side. But that was one of the major motivations to do it the right way, because as we surveyed the market, whether it's 
the regional banks, the large banks, the independent firms, some are, some firms are certainly doing it well. No one had the focus um, that we bring for Callan Family Office and the solution set you know, that we're bringing to our client base. And so just a few things about the firm today. Um, it's hard for us to believe, I think sometimes, but it's been almost 18 months since we launched in February of 2022. Um, we are focused on individuals, families, and foundations, $50 million and above. And that's really central to our value proposition. We're independent, David, as you know, 100% employee-owned and just could not be more excited than the fact that we're now approaching our first four and a half billion dollars of assets under advisement. You know, Jack, if I could just jump in, that is incredible. I mean, that growth trajectory and your ability to have grown your staff, which I'd love for you to talk about in, in conjunction, is is amazing. Congratulations. I mean, clearly you guys have built something extraordinarily special. And I think that's what to be honest with you, it blows my mind. I mean, as I started Bridgeford 12 years ago, you know, uh, it took us a while to, to start to develop, um, you know, the, the the assets under administration. And you've done such an amazing job in just 18 months. Talk to me. Could you explain to me why do you think that is, if you don't mind? Because that is, that is really impressive. Well, I think, you know, for us, David, it's all about the team. And so we have been super fortunate that the team now stands at 32 professionals across the country, um, 22 of which are partners of the firm. Everyone has deeply bought in to what we're trying to accomplish as a firm. And I think everyone has really rallied around the vision that we have. And it's really simply to be the destination firm for ultra high net worth clients and the top professionals in the industry. And our aspirations are to be known as the leading provider of service and advice, and really as a leading source of education and resource and research. And I think, David, what people recognize, because people have come to Callan Family Office from many different experiences professionally, but they realize that we have an opportunity, I believe, to fundamentally disrupt the industry today. And so we're specifically very focused on the larger firms that value volume over service, as an example, that are really intent on pushing their proprietary product and really become very impersonal. And that is exactly the opposite of what you'll get at Callan Family Office with an incredibly dedicated team serving, you know, these very large client relationships. I love that word disruptor. Um, you know, that's exactly how I've, I've described Bridgeford too over the years. Um, and uh, I, I agree with you as I've gotten to know your team and how you approach the market. I, I, I believe your disruptors. Another word I used to use for Bridgeford and I would apply to you guys as well is rebels. I think that, you know, you, you were definitely going in the opposite direction than some of your institutional competitors have gone um, as we have as well. So I, that's a great way to describe you because I, I see it. I saw it from the first time we all met um, um, in, in outside of Philly. Um, Doug, if I could uh, tap on you a bit, because we're talking about what makes Callan Family Office so special um, from a vision and strategic perspective. But of course, a big part of that is the investment engine. So um, talk to me about that, us about that. I know our listeners are going to want to hear about that. And, and also, why does Callan, the name Callan, sound familiar to our listeners? <laughs> yeah, or, or, or unfamiliar, perhaps, because, uh, you know, Callan is a, a big name in the industry, but it's really a name that's known in the institutional world and, and is less familiar among, you know, private wealth, if you will. So 
little bit of background. Um, Callen is actually uh, an organization out of San Francisco. They're one of the largest investment research uh, manager research firms in the industry. They advise to just shy of $5 trillion today across public and private markets broadly. But the difference, again, is their, their client base is really large institutions. Think pension plans, state pension plans, college endowments, sovereign wealth funds. They're, they're a large organization. They've been around for 50 plus years now. Um, they have just shy of 200 employees who do primarily market research and manager due diligence. And they've got really uh, deep expertise and a, and a deep database of information tracking over 10,000 strategies across the globe um, and conduct thousands of manager meetings each year. So that's a little bit about Callan. And, and coincidentally, we actually got to know Callan remarkably well for a 20-year engagement that we shared with him in our legacy firm. And, and the issue for us was that you know our average relationship, both today and, and before, was, was well over $100 million. So, so we needed, um, uh, our clients really needed institutional quality investment solutions. And for 20 years, Calum was able to provide that muscle power to help us vet the landscape for us. And over a 20-year period, we really got to know each other incredibly well. And so when we decided to launch our firm in February of last year, as Jack mentioned, we discussed with Callan how we might you know, continue to work together. And, and ultimately, two things came out of those discussions. One was um, Callan uh, allowed us use of their name in our business, and thus the name Callan Family Office was born. If I could just interrupt at that point, that, that's quite a compliment, it sounds to me. I mean, it, it maybe Jack and and both you and Jack can comment on that. I mean, they they have built it. That's a that's a brand, and I, I I know I'm sure some of our listeners know that name. So to allow you to use it is got to be something that you're proud of because that's they, they they must have huge belief in you to be able to use their name. I guess is what I'm saying. I mean, David was the first time and the only time they've lent their name to anyone in their now 50-year history. So I do think it, it speaks volumes as to the mutual trust and respect that we've built for each other over these years, and importantly, the confidence they've, they've, they see in our business plan. And today, if you go on their website, there's a, a prominent link to our website and vice versa, which is, which is, which is great. But the other, but besides the name, I mean, the name's great, right? But again, in, in our space, the, the private wealth space, it's not a recognizable name. Really, really what's even more important is, is what they bring, offer us from a functional standpoint. And it's really full access to all the, the, all the terrific work they do for their client base. So we get full access to their research, their, their dat, database, their people, and, and all of the really comprehensive due diligence they do on all the managers that they track. So literally once a week, we formally sit down with Callan's leadership and review the pipeline of activity, both what they're looking at currently in the market and what's coming to market over the next several years to really ascertain what managers are the various high, very highest conviction for each strategy across both public and private markets. And then importantly, David, then that Callan looks to introduce us to those managers in, in a way that we wouldn't either be able to find the manager to begin with, but but really importantly, where there is capacity constraints, their ability to open the door and secure access for us in, in some of the uh, opportunities that are capacity constrained. And, and again, you know, and especially in the private markets, like private equity, venture capital, some of the very best managers, when they come to market, they're really not looking to expand their relationships or looking to do so on a very limited basis. 
And it's the Callan relationship that's able to open those opportunities for us in a meaningful way and really afford us access to some of the best managers in, in the industry. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm hearing. I mean, you have the, the independent boutique um, approach as a family, multifamily office with really access to some of the most sophisticated strategies on the planet is what I'm hearing you say. Correct. Yeah, that's, that's very, very powerful. Um, you know, I, I, I'm intrigued by what you do. Um, on the technologies and systems side, and how did you I mean, how did you take advantage? I think uh, is the question that I'm intrigued with in terms of sort of the clean slate. I mean, when you come to the table and you can build it any way and however you want, um, how how was that, and what what makes you different in that respect? You know, our clients are so complex that where we came from for all of our working careers, we really had to lean into Excel for most of the customized work that our clients needed and, and deserved, and. When we, when we decided to launch Callan Family Office, we knew we wanted to hit a complete reset on our technology. Um, and we really vetted all the different technologies that are out there and, and landed on a couple that are really terrific. And, you know, so, for example, we're, we're now using Adapar as an example, a name that a lot on your, in your audience will be familiar, but it provides that aggregated data um, and, and total balance sheet reporting. So it's extensive customization to meet whatever the client's needs and preferences might be. We get daily feeds from all the various custodians our clients might have, be able to provide daily performance calculations. And importantly, there's a client portal we can customize to however they want to see it, and even a smartphone experience. So from an informational perspective, our clients now have real-time information on their portfolios where Again, historically, we had to really use Excel, and most single-family offices today, if they're not using Adapar, they're doing Excel themselves. Um, from a risk management perspective, I mean, risk management is pervasive in all that we do for our clients and how we think about asset allocation, manager selection, portfolio construction, and rebalancing. But we really want to embrace whatever best technologies might be out there in the marketplace to help us analyze, monitor, and adjust portfolios on a real-time basis. And we actually found a terrific technology called Fabric, which brings this all together for us. And at, Fabric actually spun out of the hedge fund industry, where they were focused on managing intraday or same-day risk. And, and, and they identified that there was a real gap in the marketplace for what single family offices needed to manage risk over longer time periods, like months, years, and even decades. And so it's a really incredible uh, tool that they've built, which integrates public markets with private markets and, and even any operating businesses that the family might have. And so it's a way for risk managing the holistic balance sheet for our clients in a way that we, we frankly didn't even envision when we launched the firm, but found the technology and embraced it wholeheartedly. So the bottom line is, you know, we were able to hit a reset, like you said, on, on technology, build a tech stack that we knew would be, um, you know, especially impactful for the very complex needs of our clients and our business. And importantly, it's an area that we're, we're, we continue to invest heavily. And, and as our own organization, you know, we're constantly vetting what's out there in the marketplace and plan to continue to build and help differentiate us uh, in the marketplace with respect to our technology. Yeah, I, I agree completely. I mean, I, I think at Bridgeford, we focus too on technology and spend a lot of money on it, but I think you have to um, as a differentiator. Um, an area that we've heavily have focused on recently is you know cybersecurity and 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 the, and the security that goes into that is necessary to protect from data leaks. And I'm sure that's a huge component to your your technology as well, which is again is not cheap but a, but essential and, and a huge differentiator. 
you know, we'll come back to you, Doug, because I, I want our audience to hear more about what makes uh, your particular team and strategy special, um, in addition to the access you have to some of the most sophisticated uh, strategies on the planet. But, you know, Betty, you, you and I have spoken a couple of times. Uh, I appreciate you coming out to California to support our launch event, although I know it's not the only reason why you were there, um, but it was great to see you. Um, but what you're doing in the philanthropic space uh, and, and working with Callan Family Office to bring this expertise to the, to the clients is, in my view, unique. I mean, I, I know, as I said, I'm a bit critical of people who call, you know, groups who call themselves family offices. But to me, if, if this service isn't being offered, then you're not really a family office. And, and a lot of people, a lot of groups aren't offering it. Um, so talk to me, please, about your vision and, and how, you know, you obviously work in conjunction with the vision that Jack outlined and, and, and Doug's uh, investment uh, impressive capability. But t- tell me your thought on how all that comes together for your for the clients. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So just for listeners, Dave, I'll just kind of remind folks of my role. And that is I serve as the director of philanthropic consulting for Callan Family Office. So what that means is I work with individuals and families and support them in the causes that matter to them. And where Callan Family Office is the investment manager of an endowment or foundation, then I work directly with that nonprofit board and staff and all the challenges and opportunities associated with running those Um, And so, you know, that word philanthropy, sometimes it doesn't really sort of roll off our tongue. And so I just want to explain to listeners what we mean by that. And the very basic definition out there is around how individuals and families share um, their treasures, their ties, their talents. And so um, it really is for our families at Callan Family Office, what gives the wealth purpose? Um, And for, you know, Dave, I was just thinking about this podcast this morning and coming off of the last couple of weekends, uh, a lot of your listeners have recently seen a little movie by the name of Barbie. Um, (laughs) It's breaking box office records out there. And so for those listeners that have recently seen that, you know, they really know that that movie is all about um, our lives and all about finding our purpose. Um, And so I want to tie that into kind of why that's important to our clients. But I have to ask you, are you wearing pink? Always, (laughs) Always, <laughs> without a I'm doubt. Please I hope you are. T- I hope you are too, Dave. In this day, every and age, day. I hope that you every are day. too. Every day, please. <laughs> no, and so I mean, for our families uh, with whom we work, um, why they feel it's really important to them that they work with a firm that understands their specific family needs is because you know there are definitely ways to introduce philanthropy even at a very young age, which can be really important for for young children. It helps them understand, you know, compassion and attitudes of generosity and empathy and the needs for others. Uh, For teenagers and young adults, it's all about money management and budgeting and communication and leadership. Um, And frankly, for all of us, you know, there's a whole lot that's written and talked about out there around gratitude, um, which provides a whole host of benefits that come from thinking about something greater than ourselves. So, At Callan Family Office, we know that we have opportunities to partner with other philanthropic advisors in this field, Um, but I'll get into a little bit later why we feel that it's really important that we focus and have someone full-time and a team full-time dedicated to work directly with our clients from within. 
Oh, that's perfect. And yeah, we will come back because I have some other more specific questions. I, I'm particularly passionate about about this um, area. And in fact, frankly, when we went to launch Bridgeford, I, I, you know, we thought at some point we would build out a capability in this space and just decided that it was you know, so specialized and unique and nuanced, you needed to be a real expert like you and not dabble in it. So we partner with people like you and, and we will partner with you as, as we have this need with our large families. But Jack, coming back to you, you know, you, you, you touched on something that I, I want us to to expand on, um, which is, you know, the advantages or, or maybe the vital aspect of being purely independent. Um, you know, you and I have talked over drinks about, you know, this idea of, of conflict of interest in our industry. And, and you know, it's an issue that I'm, I get particularly passionate about. But talk to me about your your vision ever after the, these many years and what you did differently when you talked when you when you define independence for me because that'll be a nice transition I think back to to Doug then to talk in more detail about his investment um, his investment strategy. So, but first, Jack, get into that. What did you mean and what what were you what were you building in juxtaposition against? I guess. So thanks for that. Thanks for that question, David. So from you know first. When I think about and when we think about this independent space, we think first and foremost, there's just an incredible opportunity for clients and advisors in this space. And it really has to do with the resources that are available to serve clients, the solutions, Bridgeford being a wonderful example of that to solve the needs of clients from a fiduciary standpoint. And the technology is powerful. And so you know, all of that, whether you're a client coming into an independent firm or an advisor evaluating it, we believe it all amounts to having a superior experience for the clients that we serve. From Callan Family Office's standpoint, I think there's something else that's really important about what drove us to the independent space and how we think about this. It's really having an entrepreneurial approach. And so as you talk to Betty and listen to the work that she's doing with clients and Doug, how we have architected the investment offering at Callan Family Office, all of it's been done with sort of a freedom and an innovation in how we make decisions in the firm today. Doug talked about building this firm from scratch, and it was really intentional. You know, as we thought about ultra high net worth clients and the investment offering in our advice, the technology that Doug's talked about, and frankly, then the talent that needs to be assembled to serve this client base, no better example than the work that Betty is doing with clients on the philanthropic side. We knew that that would stand out from an independent standpoint in the market. And then I just think finally, we've talked about the growth of the firm. Growth is clearly important for us. It's also important that we control it and the ability to be independent and employee-owned means not only that we control it, but there's no outside pressure. And so our focus remains solely on the clients that we continue to serve and those that are going to be coming to join us in the coming months and years. Yeah, no, I, I love that. That's, and I think that's a perfect transition back to Doug. So Doug, in the, within the paradigm of independence, please take us into more detail about your team and how you approach your, your strategies and what makes you and your team unique. Oh boy, how much time do we have? Um, okay, so uh, let me just start with the team um, because that is critical to some differentiation. Um, our investment team today is 30, 13 investment professionals, all of whom are 
equity partners in the firm. It's a big, um, that's a big staff. Wow. Okay. I didn't yeah. know it was that large. That's impressive. Everyone, uh, really well educated, well credentialized. Everyone has a CFA, and that's a statement in itself because somewhere around two or three percent of the industry carries a CFA designation. Well, and as I said before, it's not easy to get. I, I it's not easy. It's harder for you to get the CFA than me to get my law degree. I think. <laughs> I mean, my my, uh, my bar exam passage too. Go ahead. I'm sorry. But but even more remarkable is is the fact that we've all worked together for for ten to twenty years and 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 the culture is one that we really prize. We we really work as a collaborative team, uh, really respect each other. We have fun together. And what's interesting is when you're sitting across from a client or a prospect, that all becomes extremely transparent. And and I, you can't fake a thriving culture. And we get that feedback all the time from from the, our clients and prospects. You know, we have a philosophy of servicing our clients in the best way we can and always doing what is right for the client every time, no exceptions. And that that lends itself to some hard decisions, but it's not because that's what we subscribe to and it helps to differentiate us. Um, we've all spent, you know, the majority, if not our entire careers working with ultra high net worth families and institutions. So that lends a lot of experience, really understanding the nuances and complexities that go with that level of wealth. Um, and I'll say one more thing about the team, which is, you know, we really strive to provide a really very, very high touch and intense focus to our clients. So we limit, uh, we, we, each relationship gets, a, you know, more than one partner attached to the relationship. And then we further limit the number of relationships we each work with to less than, than 10 per advisor. As it relates to, um, uh, as it relates to uh, portfolio construction, because I think this is an important differentiator for us too, David. Um, you know, roughly 80% of our business is ultra high net worth families and another 20% is, is foundations and endowments. And we put a stake in the ground in our ADV at 50 million and larger for our, our minimum account size. So when we think about portfolio construction, we're really thinking in terms of the 100 million or larger relationship, which is in fact where our average sits today, whether it's asset allocation or manager selection. And, and what's important about that is whether it's institutions or families, there's a clear trend in the marketplace as to how families and institutions of this level of wealth are allocating. The larger the pool of capital, the more they're allocating to alternative investments, meaning private equity, venture capital, private real estate, private credit, hedge funds. In fact, today, the average ultra high net worth family allocates nearly 40% to those types of assets. And, and, and the largest endowments, and Yale kind of started the trend here, the largest endowments today actually allocate over 60% to alternatives. And, and the reason for those allocations is actually quite clear. When you do it well, when it's, when it's thoughtful and executed really very well, private markets can deliver significant outperformance over the public market counterparts and add diversification benefits. So if you look at even the median, almost like an average performance of a private equity or credit manager, They'll historically add a couple hundred basis points of outperformance relative to the public market counterparts, public equity or fixed income. But if you do a really good job of vetting the best managers in those private markets, the outperformance that you can get from private equity or private credit actually extends to a thousand basis points per annum or more. So that outsized performance is really significant. And so philosophically, we align our thinking and, and typically do include material allocations to private capital. But, but also importantly, we have that muscle power. We have that competitive advantage vis-a-vis -vis the Cowan relationship and decades of experience of the professionals on our team to avoid the landmines that are otherwise 
pretty commonplace in, in that space. But I don't, the last thing I'll say on that, David, is, um, you know, our business is extremely complex. Our clients are extremely com- complex. And so at the end of the day, we customize all of our work. Some clients have very little in the way of private capital. Others have even more still. So even within a relationship, there may be a dozens of entities, legal entities that have different you know, goals and objectives and tolerances for those types of assets. So really, at the end of the day, we customize all of our work extensively. And that goes back to the need to kind of limit the number of relationships that each of us work to work with. Well, I'm relieved to hear you say that you don't recommend a 50% allocation to cryptocurrencies. So I'm happy to say that. <laughs> we, yet, have no, right? <laughs> we have no cryptocurrency, but we did we did do some VC work. Uh, 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 coin, we helped to take Coinbase public and made a, a, a nice number on that. Wow, that's, 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 that's interesting. We should get into that in a minute. But yeah, I'd love to come back to you because, you know, the the investment engine, of course, is is what helps fire your planning, right? So as the investments are doing well, that means there's more to give away, or, or at least what they want to give away is maintained. So, you know, I want to want to get more back into the specifics of of your work. Um, and, and, you know, what do you, how do you get into the conversation about giving and talking about next generation and, and inculcating values? I'm really intrigued by that. Yeah. Um, you know, Dave, philanthropy is all about are sharing our values. Um, it's how we show up in the community. It's how we express ourselves as a family. It's more, it's less about kind of where we give and it's more about why and where we choose to partner uh, in that community. And so um, the benefit of that, again, is all around gratitude and the sharing of our resources and our capacity. Um, but with that, you know, sometimes it can create some unwelcome attention, right? And so for the families with whom we work, we really get laser focused about managing communications with potential partners. Um, and probably the number one question that I get is, you know, Betty, what are the best charities to give to? Um, almost impossible to answer, right? There's over 1.6 million charities in the United States alone, and our families give across the country and around the world. Um However, there are very specific steps that families can take to sort of make that world less complicated. Um, as a matter of fact, I just recently wrote a, a white paper on that called The Business of Philanthropy, and we get real granular around the due diligence process and conducting uh, some research uh, through our networks, um, our friends, our families, social media around uh, the public, those public charities and those efforts. Um, and then if you want to complicate it even further... Um, Future generations, uh, some say the next generation, they're also referred to as the rising generation. Reality is they're the now generation. They're interested in creating a broader social impact. They want to right the wrongs and fix the inequities that exist today in these socioeconomic barriers, especially in communities where people of color um, and a lot of um, disparities exist. And so they're looking to do a little bit more uh, complicated techniques around program-related investments. They want to invest in for-profit companies, make grants to individuals, all of which is allowed within philanthropy. Um, But it's really navigating that space so that they're expressing the values of their family and giving a nod to the generation before them. But they're doing that in new and different ways. Well, and that's, I want to get into that. And I I want to go back to something you said many years ago when I was back in your Banking or Mellon, I, I really became intrigued by the, the nonprofit philanthropic space and read a book by Claire Gaudiani called The Greater Good, where she described, you know, 
well, and you referenced how many charities there are in the United, just the United States alone, but how um, the United States is one of, if not the most generous in the in the philanthropic space. And in fact, there's so much money in play to give away that some even refer to it in Claire Gaudiani that is as sort of the fourth arm of government. And in fact, you know, the, the challenge that she talked about was avoiding duplicative issues or um, um, objectives. So for example, in a small town like, you know, uh, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, there's six women's shelters, right? Um, all kind of almost competing with each other for, for nonprofit funding. And she was talking about maybe there should be more consolidation in the nonprofit space to make the dollars used more, most effectively for groups in need like battered women or, or, or any other you know, target of, of where we're trying to do good. So please comment on that. Yeah, sure. I mean, it is compared a lot to other resources that are available. Um, but in reality, the philanthropic dollars that are in play are much fewer than, say, government resources and grants and things of that nature. That being said, there's just a tremendous um, ability for philanthropy to make a difference and make an impact because unlike sort of government funding and other resources, there there really are no boundaries in terms of where you support um, those efforts. And so the boundaries really exist within your own value system and the opportunities are almost endless. There are definitely ways for our clients to make an impact because, again, that's a very relative term. Um, and what we definitely see is, and all of the industry uh, research supports this, is that generosity definitely comes from a number of different resources. But when you look at it through, say, a gender lens, um, women definitely have the sort of greater um desire to create an impact, They're showing how they show up in the community, how they support their own families is mission critical. So I think for, for us in this industry, it's really important to understand you know, what makes the needs of our female clients unique and why we as advisors need to pay a special, you know, especially import, uh, important to, to pay attention to them. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. And, and also, I think trends that you're seeing uh, and what, how Callan Family Office is sort of driving those trends, perhaps, or at least, you know, supporting them, I, su I should probably say. So I'd love your thoughts on that. Yeah, sure. I, I think there's probably, you know, the most well-known statistic out there that most advisors will um, look at in terms of this great uh, transformation and uh, wealth transfer that's occurring. Some say it's 70, 80 trillion over the next 10 years, something like that. Um, but we are paying particular attention to our female clients, our female entrepreneurs, um, who maybe lack the the network or or um, the access to resources that may be relative to their male counterparts. Um, you know, the system wasn't built for her. <laughs> and we also take a look at those that are about to inherit a great portion of that wealth. And um, when you think about sort of your typical sort of heterosexual couple, you know, likelihood is she's going to outlive him by 78 years or so, according to life expectancy. And why that matters and why that's a trend is that we really feel as advisors, we want to be involved in our clients' philanthropy. Um, most clients, the research shows, um, want their advisors to bring that up in the first conversation. In reality, most advisors bring it up in the third conversation. So kind of who's bringing up philanthropy with your clients? It's probably the, the client's CPA. And while we throw no shade on CPAs, um, do you really want, you know, another advisor to be the trusted advisor in your client's lives? So we feel that really understanding what her needs are and what the needs are of the entire family is mission critical in terms of our business succession. Yeah. 
No, I love it. Uh, Betty, I think you're doing amazing work and um, really look forward to partnering with you more closely on what you're doing there. I think it's essential and and um, it makes your your group so so special. And, and Doug, I, I kind of want to come back to you. I mean, again, I said earlier, you know, without without the in investment engine and, and the efficiencies there, you know, it's less to give away, to be to be blunt. So could you talk a little bit about, you know, I guess two areas. I mean, what 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 is it you're doing to keep your um, your advice objective? And I kind of I think you touched on it. And I know Jack you know, hammered home on the idea of being independent. But I want to get it from your perspective in the investment management space. And, and in particular, talk to me about fees and taxes and what are you doing there to make sure that, uh, that you're efficient? Because, again, the higher fees and taxes there are that the portfolios are paying, obviously, it's less for Betty to, to work with and, and the clients to work with to give away. So could you touch on those things, uh, uh, the, the uniqueness and the objectivity that you bring to the table and how you manage fees and taxes? Thanks, David. Um, from an alignment of interest perspective, you know, we really do remain completely free, uh, conflict free, that is, and objective in our advice and execution. So we never push product. We, we don't use any proprietary products or, or we're not beholden to a preset menu of investment options. Importantly, we don't engage in any fee sharing with the underlying managers, any kickbacks, placement fees or commissions. And, and at the end of the day, you know, when clients understand our model that way, they're really comforted knowing that all of our recommendations and how we execute in their portfolio is only because we have conviction that these decisions are in their very best interest. Our economics never change, and clients are very comforted understanding that dynamic. In addition, um, we own ourselves, right? We're 100% employee-owned, um, so we're not we're not distracted by short-term and, and quarterly results. Rather, we can really take a long-term perspective uh, to the outcomes for both our clients and our business. As it relates to fees and taxes, I mean, this is an area that I think even further differentiates us again. Um, you know, we our job is to, to find the best managers in each asset class, um, but ultimately we can't really obviously control what the broad markets are going to give us. But what we can control is the influence of fees and taxes in our client portfolios. <clears throat> so from a fee perspective, I already mentioned we're allocating to institutional quality managers. They typically require very steep, sometimes multi-million dollar minimums. But, but therein, they also offer very competitive institutional pricing. And where we can, we further negotiate that pricing down. And anything we are able to negotiate, we pass through to our clients with full transparency. But, but the other thing on a fee front that's this is so impactful is we invest directly into everything we do. We, we don't use feeder funds, proprietary funds, or fund of funds. And it, it's a real differentiator in the marketplace. The marketplace is really gravitated, especially to these feeder funds. And there's really good efficiencies to be gained in doing so. But we, we decide to take the harder path, and it's a tremendous amount of work to do so. But we do invest direct accordingly. And, and that, I think, helps to really make us hyper competitive in, in our target space, that ultra high net worth space in which we target. And by investing direct, we can also best customize the experience our clients are getting and again, and, and again get all those enormous savings versus the vehicles that are otherwise used to commingle you know, as client assets. Lastly, from a tax standpoint, um, about, you know, again, 80% of our clients are taxable investors. They're all in the highest bracket. Um, we think about capital market assumptions or what things are likely to do going forward from a performance standpoint. We think about all those assumptions in after-tax terms. So, you know, 
we want to optimize our portfolios on an after-tax basis, and that's that's sort of step one. Step two is we take a core satellite approach to allocating um, client portfolios. And that core sleeve in the public markets really uses, and this is something that a lot of your audience will be familiar with, but tax-efficient market capture strategies, where instead of owning the uh, S&P 500, for example, you own the uh, individual constituents of the S&P 500, and then actively tax loss harvest um, you know, individual securities throughout the year to get that tax alpha associated with those decisions. And then where we do add satellite managers, we want to make sure they're very concentrated, typically 20 stock or so portfolios, have low turnover, maybe 10% or so, and therefore have better overall tax efficiency. And then the other thing I'll say is, you know, we actually tax loss harvest client portfolios throughout the year. It's not a seasonal effort for us. It's not a year-end effort. It's something we look at throughout the year. And again, we're looking to generate that tax alpha that we can you know, bring to the, to the overall picture. The last thing I'll say on taxes, and, and this is an area of differentiation as well, is you know, again, we allocate a lot to alternatives typically, um, and uh, not always like we talked about, but in a lot of client portfolios we do. And we really think in terms of after-tax impacts with those allocations. And so just to give you an example, I mean, private credit is a uh, space that for the last 10 years really wasn't of much interest for our taxable clients, for the foundations and endowments, yes. But the reason being private credit typically is all taxed at ordinary income. Um, so, you know, when interest rates are lower, you were locking up your money for, you know, five to 10 years, you were getting maybe 8% pre-tax, but on an after-tax basis, maybe you were getting closer to 4% and it just wasn't really attractive for the lockup. But as, you know, a lot has changed in the last 12 months, you know, the risk-free rate went closer to 5% and, and the spreads are starting to gap out on um, private credit otherwise as banks are stepping away from the space. So now we're getting, you know, mid-teen kind of pre-tax yields, which when you tax affect that, you know, you're looking at high single digit or so, you know, net of tax returns, which suddenly look really attractive, especially on a tax adjusted basis. So to your question, we fixate on fees and taxes, the impact and how we can mitigate all that. No, it's a compelling story. I mean, it's clearly a differentiator. You, you touched on lots of things that I've seen in the industry prior to starting Bridgeford and even back in uh, my days as a lawyer that I never understood about the investment management business and how could there just there be so much conflict of interest and outrageous hidden fees and, and just, uh, just a whole myriad of, of aspects of the industry that <laughs> weren't in the client's best interest. And obviously there's been regulation spawned by that. And then we have groups like yours who actually build a model and, and, a, and a company that honors ideas around integrity and, uh, and avoiding conflicts of interest. And you should all be congratulated for that. And, and Jack, on that, I want to come back to you. I mean, clearly you and your team have built something special here. Um, and uh, I love hearing about it. I love listening to the story. Um, what's the future for Callan Family Office? What's your vision? Where do you want to be, I suppose, geographically? And, and what's, what's, what do you look like in 10 years? Well, thank you, David. I'm not sure about 10 years, but I can tell you what the vision of the firm is and where we're really focused today. And so um, as, as you heard from Doug and Betty today, and you would hear that from the other 29 members of our team, it's an incredible team that's been built. What we are currently focused on is, you know, completing a national footprint. And so we're actively thinking about expanding our team in the Midwest. 
expanding our team on the West Coast, you know, that would complement an incredibly strong team that exists already on the East Coast. We talked a little bit about some of the other areas that we're focused on right now, you know, the continued investment in our technology platform to make us the destination firm that we talked about as the vision of Callan Family Office and continuing to invest in the offering that we have for clients. And so specifically around family governance and education to work closely with Betty and the work that she's doing to continue to invest in our wealth planning capability as a firm. And so they're all on the near-term horizon for us. And so we are incredibly excited about the opportunity that's in front of us and really, David, about the opportunity to continue to expand our relationship with Bridgeford because we think it's an exciting partnership and one that will definitely benefit our clients. Well, I really appreciate you saying this. Um, and I appreciate you all uh, being here today. It's, uh, this is a great conversation. Um, I encourage our listeners uh, to, to look up Callan Family Office, um, you know, pay attention to the differences because they are real. And uh, this is a firm with, as I said, high integrity and, and a great vision for what they're going to do going forward. Um, Jack, Doug, and Betty, anything else you'd like to add before, uh, before we let you get back to your day jobs? I think you've really covered it well today, David. I just would end with one thing. We often get asked, what is it like in the culture of the firm? Um, what is it like to work in Callan Family Office? And I do think it's important um, you know, for everyone that's listening to know the, the, the core values which underlie everything that we do in Callan Family Office are do what's right every single time, genuinely listen and respond, and collaborate in the pursuit of excellence. And that really does drive our client experience. It drives the culture of our firm and our approach to doing business. And I think those three values really are the foundation upon which this firm has been built. And we're awfully proud of it. Well, that's a, that's a perfect way to end that. It's extraordinarily well said. And I think so succinctly encapsulates everything I've seen about your, your firm. So Again, Jack, Doug, and Betty, thanks again for taking the time to have this uh, very interesting conversation. Um, once again, for our listeners, uh, all their information will be on our website, so please take some time to get to know them. And uh, I look forward to great work together in the future. Thanks again for listening to Bridgeford Trust Company's Delivering Direction and Control podcast series. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to keep posted on when new episodes are added. And for more information, you can visit us online at bridgefordtrust.com.